Welcome to a series of talks about objective consciousness, an objective universe, and an objective way to awaken. Expanding upon the works of George I. Gurdjieff and Russell A. Smith. In today's podcast, I will share with you how, with correct information, the journey to enlightenment is not as difficult as we have been led to believe. It is a simple journey, from hydrogen to higher centers, which is thoroughly described in Russell A. Smith's book, The Blueprint of Consciousness. A journey that took 13.8 billion years to set up, 10 years to discover, takes 8 days to comprehend, and only 15 minutes to acquire. It has been described by many as the crowning achievement of creation, as it shows each and every one of us how to reach our potential. Since the dawn of our existence, we, as human beings, have been searching for a proven way of doing just that. However, our efforts were mostly thwarted by speculation, conjecture and guess which, unfortunately, did not take us towards the desired aim, but further away from it. That is, although some had walked the path of enlightenment, they were unable to find a way of showing others how to do the same. And as such, those who followed them ended up distorting their work, not because they wanted to, but because it was law-conformable that they did. Fortunately, something outside the norm finally occurred. Russell A. Smith found a proven way. When he did, he began taking others on the journey. It was amazing. He would invite them into his home, and meticulously guide them through his first book, Gurdjieff, Cosmic Secrets, until they saw and understood everything that they needed to comprehend. After which, he would show them how to awaken. Russell would often tell them, It will be easy for me to take you on the journey, because all I need to show you is some simple rules and laws that create the same proportional matrix in everything, from hydrogen to higher centers. Here are some of the questions posed to Russell about the journey and his answers. Student, you said that the journey to enlightenment was the journey from hydrogen to higher centers. Would you explain? Russell. Sure. The universe began with hydrogen, the smallest atom. Hydrogen has one proton in its nucleus, which has a positive charge, and one electron in its electron cloud, which has a negative charge. However, if two hydrogen nuclei combine, 
the two atoms of hydrogen miraculously become one atom of helium, an element with totally different properties. Stick another hydrogen nuclei into the helium nuclei and BAM! Lithium is born. Add another and beryllium comes into existence. Another boron. Another carbon. Another nitrogen. And another oxygen. Etc. It is truly amazing that all the elements in the periodic table are nothing other than the conglomeration of hydrogen nuclei that have fused and as such create all the elements in the universe. Elements with different properties. The number that is usually found at the top right hand corner of the periodic table is called the atomic number. The atomic number shows how many protons are in the nucleus. That is, how many hydrogens have combined to produce that element. Student. OK. Argon has the atomic number 18. That means that it has 18 protons in its nucleus. Right? Russell. Yes, that is correct. There are 18 protons in every argon nucleus, which means that 18 hydrogen nuclei have combined. Student. OK. Russell. So, that is how it all started. It was chaotic at first, but that hydrogen guy just kept fusing with itself until it produced all the elements in the universe. Got it? Student. Yes. Russell. OK. That was the first level of stuff. Elemental stuff. But then there was something more than just elemental stuff. Next came molecules. Molecules occurred when a likened number of negatively charged electrons clustered around the positively charged protons that were in the nucleus of those elements. Enter some rules and laws about electron configuration. Atoms have what are called shells that contain the electrons. The shells have up to four orbitals that hold either 2, 6, 10 or 14 electrons. The orbitals are at different energy levels which fill from lowest to highest. When a shell is full an inert gas is created. It seems that all elements wish to be like inert gases. Why? Well, because inert gases' shells are full, and as such, they are stable. The elements who are not stable will seek to become stable 
by sharing their extra electrons with other elements in an attempt to complete their outermost orbital. There are other rules and laws, of course, but that is the basics. Because of that, a myriad of molecules came into existence that all have different properties and are nothing like the elements from which they came. What? Sodium and chlorine make salt? Student. So, the electrons in an unfilled orbital of an unfilled shell combine with electrons in somebody else's unfilled orbital of their unfilled shell and create everything beyond the elements. Russell. That is correct. And it all happens because of rules and laws. In my periodic table, the outermost orbitals and the electrons in them are shown in tiny blue numbers above the name of the element, which is called the electronic configuration. The electronic configuration always begins with the symbol of the inert gas that was at the end of the previous row, which is then followed by the names of orbitals in the shell that are currently filling, as well as the number of electrons in them. For instance, aluminum has two electrons in the 3s orbital and one electron in the 3p orbital. And since it follows the inert gas neon, aluminum is labelled Ne3s2p1. Boron is preceded by the inert gas helium, which has two electrons in its 1s orbital. Likewise, boron has two electrons in its 1s orbital, but then adds electrons in two orbitals beyond that. It adds two electrons in the 2s orbital and one electron in the 2p orbital. And as such, boron is labelled HE2s2p1. Therefore, the first thing to know about an element is its atomic number which will tell you how many protons and electrons it contains. The second thing to know about an element is how many electrons are in its outermost orbital, because it is the number of electrons in its unfilled outermost orbital that determine its properties. Oxygen is labelled HE2S2P4. It is followed by the inert gas neon, which is labelled HE2S2P6. That means, in order for oxygen to feel full, oxygen needs two more electrons. Whereas, hydrogen is labelled 1S1. It is followed by the inert gas helium which is labelled 1s2. That means, 
In order for hydrogen to feel full, hydrogen either needs to lose one electron or gain one electron. As such, if two hydrogen atoms combine with one oxygen atom, both the hydrogen atoms and the oxygen atom will feel like the inert gas neon and, as such, will have achieved their aim. So, that is why we have water, which is H2O. Student. So, that brings up a question for my cuckoo mind. If you are bopping along as an atom that has two electrons and meet up with four electrons and thus have six electrons and are full, how can you combine with anybody else after that? Russell. That is a good question. It is because proton bonding is different from electron bonding. That is, protons can continue fusing with other protons in the nucleus of atoms to make other elements. Whereas, when elements share electrons with other elements in order to feel full, they will have no affinity to combine with other elements in order to achieve that aim. Student. Oh, I get it. Protons can fuse with other protons, which make elements beyond the next inert gas, whereas atoms that share their electrons with other atoms do so in order to achieve the status of being like an inert gas. Russell. There you go. Another student. I have a question. How did we get from that to us? Russell. That is a long story, but a fascinating one. It took a long time for elements to be created, as well as for planets to come into existence that had water and the right amount of heat, which allowed the elements to interact with each other and to make molecules of RNA, DNA and amino acids. After that, it just evolved and made more advanced molecules and, eventually, created plants and animals. Then, when we appeared in the LAR-T interval of organic life, it accelerated. Student, yes, I have seen much written about the LAR-T interval of organic life, as well as the LAR-T interval of man, where our higher mental centre resides. The LAR-T interval was first shown to me in the card diagram. See the Chapter 3 Cards Actual Diagram, which can be found on our website, thedogteachings.com, under Resources, Diagrams, and also within the episode page for this podcast. That being said, 
How do I transform those cards into the highest state of consciousness? Russell Good question. Firstly, you should know that as human beings, we all abide in the higher mental center. The whole card diagram, from the bottom to the top, represents the La T interval of organic life. That is, the dough at the end of the page, as well as the dough at the beginning, which is off the page, is the joker and extra joker, respectively, in the octave of organic life, within which human beings came into existence. So, we are all men of reason. But, in order to master it, we have to develop our machine. That is, we are not born going E equals MC squared. We are not born that way. We are born going, Wah! Wah! Feed me! Wah! I need to be held! Wah! We are just developing fetuses that started when a sperm cell and an egg cell met and began doubling, creating two cells, four cells, eight cells, sixteen cells, and after nine months of doubling, out came this little wah, a wah that if left on its own, would die. So, it has to develop. And how does it develop? Well, it's born with essence. It can smell, see, hear, feel, taste, and touch. But it cannot move very well. That is, it has not acquired intentional movement yet. And as such, it will have to learn how to crawl, walk, and to run. Then later, in elementary school, it will learn how to write the letter A, all of which takes time. So, it has to develop its lower centers first. And after a while, those centers may learn to work together, just like atoms do, which become molecules, and cells do, which become tissues, and then organs. And if our three lower centers find a way of uniting, we will awaken the higher emotional center. Student. But our emotional center developed when we were quite young. I'm not saying that it developed rightly, just that it developed. Russell. Yeah, well, everybody develops while they are developing. Everybody is developed to some extent. As soon as you crawl across the floor, you have movement. But does that mean that you are going to be in the Olympics that year? 
Student. No, I guess not. Russell. Unless they have an event for crawling, right? Student. Exactly. Russell. So, yeah, there is a lot of development that still needs to be done. Student. I see now that the emotional centre starts to develop at a very young age. But in the sleeping world, it does not develop correctly. If it had developed correctly, then by the time we reached what Gurdjieff called the age of maturity, we would have been okay. Does that start at the age of 10? Russell. Well, the time of its beginning differs in both boys and girls, as does the time of its maturity, which roughly corresponds to the age we leave home and head off to college. Student. Right, then somewhere along that line, if we were in a right world, we would have developed a right conscience. Russell. Yes. At maturity, we would have developed a right conscience. And, as such, would have awoken. Student. We wouldn't have negative emotions and do stupid stuff. Russell. There you go. Student. And we would see the world with beauty as it should be. Russell. That is right. And the centres would have come together naturally, which is how it was supposed to be, just like cells coming together and becoming tissues, and tissues coming together and becoming organs. Then, later on, we would have developed reason which would have started at the age of 26. Student. OK, that's the right way. But in our situation, since we are not in a right world, we have to wake up under a different scenario, through doing the objective exercise, or through the pressures of life. Either way, objectively, or subjectively, if we awoke, where would that put us on the card diagram? Russell. In the higher emotional centre, the extra joker, which has three unified parts, the medium-sized ace of diamonds, ace of clubs, and ace of hearts, and nine parts of parts, the smaller-sized Jack, Queen and King of Diamonds, Jack, Queen and King of Clubs, and Jack, Queen and King of Hearts. Student. OK. What do we do then? Russell. Then we reach back to the intellectual centre and purge it. Because... It has acquired many false beliefs 
that need to go. Student. Okay, we purge all that and get it all cleaned up. Then what? Russell. Well, then we move up to the mechanical part of the higher mental centre, which requires a developed intellectual centre. That is why we do memory work. The mechanical part is represented in the upper story by the medium-sized ace of spades and its three parts of parts, the smaller-sized jack, queen and king of spades. Student The little face cards of spades. Russell Yes, the little face cards of spades, which represent the mechanical part, the emotional part, and the intellectual part of the mechanical part of the higher mental centre. However, they can't take their rightful position if they have wrong data. But, with correct data, they will become the beginning of reason. Student Wow! I got it! Russell In addition, when the higher mental centre begins to function, reason will reach back to conscience, to the higher emotional centre, and cleanse it, allowing the higher emotional centre to surpass reason and become impartial, which is located in the emotional part of the higher mental centre. It is represented by the medium-sized extra joker and its three parts of parts. The smaller-sized ace of diamonds, ace of clubs and ace of hearts. Student Those aces are what again? Russell The emotional part of the higher mental centre. Impartiality which appears because reason reached back and helped the medium-sized ace of diamonds, clubs and hearts take a higher position. Student So, where again is our I? Russell In the spades, in the mechanical part of the higher mental centre, where reason resides. That is, in the medium-sized ace of spades and in its three parts of parts, the smaller-sized jack, queen and king of spades. Student. And where is the am? Russell. In the emotional part of the higher mental centre. That is, in the medium-sized extra joker and in its three parts of parts, the smaller-sized ace of diamonds, ace of clubs and ace of hearts. The mechanical part and the emotional part comprise the lati interval of man and, as such, becomes 
our I and our am. Student. I think I am beginning to understand. Russell. Fantastic. After that, we have the intellectual part of the higher mental centre, which is represented by the medium-sized joker. There, the mechanical part of the higher mental centre and the emotional part of the higher mental centre combine to create the intellectual part. Later on, the small-sized ace of spades, the mechanical part of the intellectual part, which has surpassed the small-sized aces of diamonds, clubs and hearts, will reach back and help those aces become higher than itself, allowing them to become the smaller extra joker, the emotional part of the intellectual part. After which, the mechanical part and emotional part will once again combine and produce the intellectual part of that part, allowing the I and am of man to become the I am that I am of God. Perhaps that is why God answered Moses the way he did when Moses asked, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Student. Wow! Russell. So, we start off as knowledge and being, as an I and am, and then surpass that knowledge and being and become I am that I am. I often say, we and the sons of God are the third part. Why? Well, as I see it, the higher mental center only has two parts, whereas the other centers all have three, a jack, queen and king, or an ace, ace and ace. But the higher mental center only has two, the ace of spades and the extra joker, which constitute the cards in the la t interval. We already said that those parts represent our I and our am. The third part of our higher mental center, its intellectual part, is produced when the I, the ace of spades, and the am, the extra joker, combine into I am that I am. And as such, we go beyond being men and become sons of God. Thus, we 
and the sons of God are the third part. Student Wow, Russ! That is just amazing! I now see the Lati intervals and the cards which represent them. That being said, I also see what lies beyond the Lati interval, and as such, I am going to accelerate my memory work, as I wish to attain the spades in the Lati interval as quickly as possible. Another student. When you say combine, what does that represent? Russell. How do I answer that? What is God? I do not know. But I do know that most people will never awaken, and as such, they will never achieve conscience, reason, and impartiality. And without them, they would not understand my answer, even if I had one. Let's just say that all higher things are the combination of lower things. Student. So, the higher we go, the higher we can become. Russell. Yes, that is correct. If we become the third part and reach the T-Do interval, we would surpass man and become sons of God, like Jesus Christ. And as such, we would begin to function much differently than we do now. That is, if we were Jesus and ran into a burning school, what would we do? Student, we would save the first child we came to. Russell, that is correct, because that would be the right thing to do. Student, indeed it would. Russell, and if another Jesus, like us, ran in, what would he do? Student, he would save the first child he came to. Russell, also correct. However, people lower than us would do what? Student, they would most likely only be looking for their own child and as such would bypass the rest. Russell, unfortunately, that too is also correct and those who are much lower than us would probably trample some kids while looking for theirs. Student. Yes, they would. Which is sad. Well, Russ, that is all we have room for. Thank you very much for your time and knowledge. Russell. You are most welcome. Keep polishing that memory work. Student. We will.
Good night. That completes today's podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions that you would like to have answered, please send them to information at thedogteachings.com and we will endeavour to answer them and perhaps even include them in a future podcast. In addition, you may now pose questions at our new Telegram group, The Dog Teachings, which is open to everyone to join and participate in. You may also find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Dog Teachings. If you would like to purchase Russell Smith's book, The Blueprint of Consciousness, a 520-page hardback, which is also available for PDF download, or learn more about the subjects and exercises we have been exploring, you can do so by going to thedogteachings.com. And now, you may also pose any questions during our new weekly Zoom classes, held every Thursday. One class for purchasers of the Blueprint of Consciousness, and the other for qualifiers of the Master Exercises. Look under Resources for Zoom Classes on the website thedogteachings.com. That's T-H-E-D-O-G-T-E-A-C-H-I-N-G-S dot com. There, you will be able to listen to other talks, obtain diagrams, animations, supporting videos, and much, much more. But, most importantly, you will have real-time access to the materials we are discussing. That's thedogteachings.com. Goodbye. Until next time.